0: Mm. Right. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna, Okay. Mm. i right. mm. sound. Yeah. I'm gonna make a mm. I'm gonna,
1: I'm gonna,
0: I'm gonna. <laughs> all right, here we go.
1: Okay. Hello and welcome to this edition of Phillies Talk Podcast. It's a special Philadelphia Eagles slash Philadelphia Phillies podcast. And I have two special guests on tonight's show. Uh, Mr. Matt Veazey, of course. Everybody's familiar with him that has listened to the show. And maybe if it's your first time listening to the show. Uh, how you doing, Matt?
2: This is my first time back since October. So I think I was with you right before the playoffs started last
1: year. Yeah, yeah, and I I actually only produced a few podcasts since then uh, on the Phillies. I was taking some time off uh, after the season, but, of course, now the holidays are over, uh, starting to get a little warmer. It was uh, close to 60 degrees in the Philadelphia area today, and uh, our Philadelphia Eagles had a tremendous victory to propel them right into the Super Bowl. I Eagles <laughs> flying. And with us uh, on this podcast, uh, born in Philadelphia, mind you, a good friend of mine, Mr. Mike McCabe. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing great. Thank you, Rich. Thank you for joining us. And you're a longtime Eagles fan. Uh, you go back to the days of the University of Pennsylvania when the Eagles used to play there in the stadium. At Franklin Field. Yeah. 1960. Uh, you were there at the game. You had told me this story. Uh, a few years ago, but uh, tell us that story if you wouldn't mind. We'll go back in time to the to the early days of uh, Philadelphia Eagles here.
0: Well, I guess I was about eleven or twelve years old, and uh, back then you could go drive. You know, you can go around the city of Philadelphia. You didn't have the uh, the problems you have now today. So anyhow. I got, in my childhood, somebody gave my parents a couple single-game tickets to the Phillies. So I saw... I saw... um Sonny Jergensen make his first appearance back in, in Philadelphia at Franklin Field after he had been traded to the Washington Redskins.
1: Now, Sonny Jergensen. Now, for our listeners, uh, we got to remind Mike that our listeners are probably uh, 20 years old. This goes back ways. This goes back a ways to uh, mm. the early days of the Washington Redskins when uh, you know their logo didn't didn't cause many issues right. in this country. Um, but yeah, Sonny Jurgensen Jorgensen, he, he was a legend in the game, and if you're not familiar with him, go over to Baseball Reference, uh, the NFL site, look him up, and uh, see what
0: a great player he was. Sorry about that, Mike. Christian Adolf Jorgensen to you. <laughs> 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 and, and I remember him getting sacked, and they had just put new new artificial turf or something like that down on Franklin Fields on the, on the playing surface. And somebody stands up behind me and says, "Hey, Sonny, how do you like our new grass?" <laughs> and and I was uh, fortunate enough. I went to uh, two other games. I, I just have a hard time ra- ra- reflecting on which one is which. But I saw the Minnesota Vikings with Bud Grant and Carl Eller and Alan Page, and I just love them. I just love the whole mystique about the about. About them. And, and uh, the last game I, that I can reflect on is I was at the game where they bombed Santa Claus.
1: Yes, uh, Eagles fans, it hasn't been just the latest group of fans back in the oh. vet. To bomb Santa Claus with snowballs, they also did it back in the sixties.
0: Well, they never did. Well, never will
1: Never.
0: Yeah, no, they didn't <laughs> bomb him in the in the vet. They didn't. No, this all happened to Franklin Field. And yeah, they bombed the Dallas Cowboys in the vet. Yes. Oh. That, well, that was that was that was a well executed, designed play. There, they were successful. And, and anything that send Dallas packing, anytime, any place. Wow. In fact, I think
2: it's a pretty well known Brendel. Brendel threw a snowball. <laughs> you
0: a snowball mean ball. Fast Eddie? <laughs>
1: yeah. Fast Eddie. Hey, the, on record, he's on record for having thrown a snowball in that and he's, a, and he's an ex governor of Pennsylvania as well.
0: And he's the prosecutor of a Philadelphia. <laughs> they could have, locked, could have locked him up, right? No <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Well,
1: Man. anywho, thanks for that look back to 1960, but you know. Listen, you, before we totally move on
3: from that, I'm just letting
2: to that 1960 uh, Eagles'
3: championship.
2: My father, mm-hmm. a police officer for 30 years, was a. In the police academy, the rookie, uh, were just coming out of it, and they were assigned to Franklin
1: Field. He worked on the field, um, providing security as a Philadelphia police officer at that 1960 NFL championship. So he was there, too. Wow. So... What
0: world? Yes. Well, uh, I would have been quite young... And you were, <laughs> of course. But, it, uh, but a future brother-in-law, who's now de- deceased, he was uh, a backup offensive lineman, center for for Green Bay Packers. Then his name was Ken Ken Iman. and they lost in Franklin Field. Then they won the next two years. In who Green Bay won the next two years? And then he played for the, uh, Los Angeles Rams. And I, he didn't get married to my sister till much later, but I remember seeing him play. He was a center and, uh, for Roman Gabriel.
2: Start of the, uh, Missile
0: dynasty. Yes, he, yeah, he was with them for four years. Yes. So. Well
1: that's a look back uh, towards a, an era which will never be replaced probably in Philadelphia I, I've been to the stadium there at um, Franklin Field and it's just it's a marvelous stadium it's something that um, I think they underutilize today in Philadelphia but Guys we have sports local sports fans a uh, great chance to get down there every spring uh, for very highly publicized and
2: relays. Mm-hmm. So it's still, like you said, a great facility, and when people start seeing it, Pat relays advertised, mm-hmm. I think the local people, it's a good chance to get
1: down there and see a great old stadium. Yeah, and there's uh, there's a lot going on down there. If you're a visitor to Philadelphia, if you're coming into town, um, and it's springtime, which it will be soon, and we're going to get to the Phillies, I promise that. I know this is Phillies Talk podcast, but. Uh, <laughs> There's a whole complex at the University of Pennsylvania. They're playing, uh, tennis there, softball. Uh, it's a great complex. So if you do come to the city of Philadelphia, make yourself at home. Uh, explore all that Philly has to offer.
0: And a lot of... Go ahead.
2: The Palestra.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: yeah like a
0: big five game in the yeah. absolutely right I remember Remember every Saturday night as a teenager there, there were two games in a big five on Saturday night on channel 17 and Al Meltzer was the color man and he used to go he tickled the twine when they make a shot Yeah. Rich
2: let you get us out of nostalgia
1: well, yeah, we're we're talking about the old days and <laughs> tickling twine. Of course, uh, Joel Embiid is the guy that's uh, that's banging for the Sixers right now. But uh, going back a ways, um, God, we have such a rich history, and we're going to we're going to get to the Phillies. I promise that the Sixers, of course, um, doing quite well as well. So, anywho. Um, the Eagles are in the Super Bowl, guys. Um, who could have predicted the Eagles win yesterday, Matt? Uh, I did. <laughs> that was uh, a pre-game. Pre-game, I actually, I actually called this a blowout, but uh, I put it up uh, on, my Facebook, on Twitter, so it's documented. But I thought it was going to be a close game, and
2: then they blow it open at the end. I thought there'd be. Like a, they'd have a 17-13 like lead get a big touchdown to clinch it and then maybe the D would score another one to really put it away so my final was something 30-something to 13 so actually
3: pretty close on the final but I, wow. the game went totally there I did not see uh, the Eagles blown out right
2: from, almost from the start after that first blanking drive, which did not look good at all um,
1: after that it was all Eagles that's amazing you actually closely predicted the score, of course, it was thirty-eight to seven. Eagles had a wonderful game, three touchdowns. Uh, what a wonderful uh, way to get into the Super Bowl! And they, they sort of, the first couple plays they came out, and the Vikings seemed to control that game for a little bit, and then the tide turned the other way very quickly drive, The Vikings just drove down the
2: field. I mean, they just could not stop them. And uh, I was kind of feeling like my wife made a pretty pretty good comment watching the game with me. She said, you know, it, it was such a dominating drive by the Vikings that uh, the Eagles were not looking like they were ready. And uh, the comment that my wife made was that they just need one play. Eagles looked like they needed one play to, to turn it around. And that's what it was. When they got that interception. Uh, we at it back for a touchdown, and everything changed.
1: And I'm going to play a little bit of, uh, of the game here. Inside the 40. Out of bounds at of the 35 with another completion. And there goes uh, a completion from Nick Bowles There, uh, and he, he had a wonderful game. He, he's a backup for the Eagles. Who could have predicted that he's been so good for the Eagles in this run towards the Super Bowl? Rich, 352 yards, uh, three TDs, no interceptions, a 141 plus quarterback rating. He was incredible
2: yesterday, and I think all of us. Thinking Philadelphia fan when the, when the Carson Wentz went down, you just felt like there it goes. You know we had this great season, should have been our year, and there but, it goes down
0: but, the Yeah, better uh, luck next year.
2: But they still had you know everything else. So uh, if anything, I think it might have benefited them if it had to happen might have benefited them that it happened when it did, that it gave Foles a chance to play in two or three games to, to get some you know, get some experience playing top exposure. He's a, he's an experienced guy. He's played in the NFL before, he's won in the NFL before, yeah. you know, he had he sat on the bench all year. You know, so what can you expect when the guy's sitting on the bench all year?
0: Well you know, what I don't understand is this. When, when he was traded away I'm thinking to myself you've got a really good quarterback here chip Kelly just didn't like him for whatever reason it's like and exactly. and well chip Kelly uh, we won't say too much about him but but <laughs> didn't work. <clears throat> But what I didn't understand was he went. I thought it would be a perfect situation for him when he went to Kansas City and he was back with Andy Reid, if I'm not mistaken. But nothing ever materialized there. But uh, nevertheless, they get him back, and it's like, well, this is a guy that was an All Pro and was the uh, was the MVP of the Pro Bowl. And he's got his uniform in the Hall of Fame for that game where through seven touchdowns. Was it seven? So there's a man that there's a man that can do the job. And I got a little apprehension. Kansas City, oh, in St. Louis, he he just didn't play real well. St. Louis, um, Kansas City. I'm really not sure what happened there. I know that he he ended up. Um, Basically,
2: is the backup to Alex Smith. So uh, I don't really don't know. He just seemed like he, he kind of lost it when he went to St. Louis, and never really got it back. And from what I heard, he was ready to retire.
0: Yes. Uh, so he never played for Andy Reid, did he? Uh,
2: I think so. In 2016, last year he played Kansas City. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but I mean prior to that. Thing. <laughs> yeah, but he had never. Andy Reid hadn't drafted him, had he? No Uh, Okay He
2: was depicted by Andy Reid
1: But he Didn't really play too much On the Reid here He played on their uh, Chip here Yeah and Mike, you're <laughs> you're putting uh, Matt to the test on his football knowledge.
0: Yeah, well, he's so. doing a good job. Sorry, I'm, I'm I i do not know. I'm asking. <laughs> I'm I'm at the feet of I the know. master. I heard him talk about it yesterday on the broadcast that he was drafted
2: under Reed and had his big year under Chip, but he did play his rookie year under Andy Reed, I'm pretty
0: sure. Well, you know, you know, it was funny as you're watching that game yesterday. Here's the national broadcast. Joe Buck. And I don't know if it's Joe Buck or Trey, Troy Aitman, but about midway through the second half, they're saying... They're being apologetic to the Vikings, about the Vikings. You don't normally see them play like this. <laughs> no, Bobby, <you probably> don't. <laughs> That's because they're getting their butts whipped. <laughs>
2: uh, so you know what? I think that we're, you know... Talking about how good the Vikings were I think maybe it was because of Wentz's injury I don't know I think people forgot how good the Eagles were I mean, this was the best record in the, in the NFC this year. They were tied yeah. with the Patriots are best record in the
3: NFL. I know a lot of that came with Wentz on the center, but still, this was a good team. This wasn't just Parson Wentz. And I didn't
0: have hear- to.
2: They got a chip on their shoulder. After they after he went down and everybody said they're done, I think as a group, they got a little chip on their shoulder and know, Yeah, we're not done. Here's the,
0: here's, the, here's the big question for you. The here's, six, here's the
1: $64 question. Or I thought it was $64,000. The $128 question.
0: Do you have your dog mask? I don't need I
1: don't have a dog mask. No. no, no I, don't, I don't care for the dog mask. I'm not I'm not on board with that. And my I don't get one, but I don't, no. Yeah, I'm, I'm just not, I don't know where that came from, I guess I haven't really, I don't even know number 65, no <laughs> does he have a dog, or, or where did that come from, anyway? As soon as they got, it was announced that they were on their dogs, pretty the, uh, NFC playoff game
3: in Atlanta, uh uh long, yeah. Uh, Chris
2: long. Yeah. Um, and him and then one of the other guys who
0: I um, I think it was I think it was 65. I think it was uh um, the guy from Texas, the right tackle. Lane Johnson.
3: Yeah, they
2: came out with the dog mess. Yeah. It's right from there once he wore it in that post game interview just
0: I had to get one <laughs>
2: and are again that's good as soon as I saw it they were well, five and a half point underdogs so I was like that's perfect that's just exactly what you want right now
0: <laughs> that's money in the bank they're going to it take it
2: feeds right into it it just feeds right into that whole mentality of the underdog.
1: yeah uh, now, now they're five and a half point underdogs to the Patriots right now is that correct
3: that's what it opened.
1: I'm not really sure right where you but... Yeah, out in Vegas, if you have uh, some money and you want to put put some money down on the game, uh, we're, we're bullish on the Eagles here. Of course, we're a little partial since we're doing a, uh, a Phillies and Eagles podcast here. But, guys, uh, what a great victory it was. And now the Eagles move on. Uh, it's going to be played the Super Bowl in Minnesota, and just so happens that there's a blizzard in Minnesota right now, and there's more snow expected uh, in two weeks. I was actually... chatting with a weather forecaster um, that I know locally here in South Jersey. Uh, His name is Jim Everwine, and he's worked for the uh, National Weather Service for 42 years, and he was uh, reviewing some of the models uh, out uh, at Minnesota, uh, around Minnesota today, and of course uh, with the blizzard that's going on there now, it's going to prevent a lot of the Eagles fans from getting there early, and he was telling me that some of the Vikings fans were probably having a a hell of a time getting home with that blizzard in Minnesota. So, (laughs) little weather news, of course. The game is going to play indoors with the dome there in Minnesota, but uh, so that shouldn't be an issue. Uh, but what if it was? I mean, that's football playing outdoors in snow and conditions. Uh, what do you guys feel about the um, you know playing a Super Bowl in Minnesota and having it indoors,
0: Mike? Well, I have I have mixed feelings on that. I used to believe that the that the the Super Bowl was only for the the wealthy people to be able to go down and spend those two, three, four thousand dollars on a ticket for the Super Bowl but the Super Bowl was more than just the football game it's the Motorola Mile, it's all these companies that put out displays and there's events that go on Uh, I was at a Super Bowl not at a game, but I was at down a Super Bowl weekend down in Miami when uh, I think Chicago was playing Indianapolis, and it poured like heck. So most of the events around the game were canceled, but the prior a couple days before that, there were a lot of events going on, and you stand by the ESPN ESPN tent and hear people harassing the the announcers as they're having a, a, a live show on TV and uh no I uh, no I, I didn't say a word.
1: <laughs> no, they weren't really harassing them. They were, oh, having, they were having, having fun been, with
0: them. having a lot of fun with them.
1: The ones that are still there of course, a lot of the ESPN <laughs> announcers from back then are no longer yeah. with that network. They they cleaned house a few years ago. Yeah. But uh, Matt any comment on the um on the situation in Minnesota, uh, I've heard the tickets are uh, locally on the uh, news broadcast around here. Uh, some millennials and younger people, 25, 30, are willing to spend up to five thousand dollars to go out and see their Eagles. There you go. Big thing, especially from my profession.
2: You got to worry about fraud. You got to make sure that you're buying from a reputable, you know, source. Uh, I saw, again, one of the local news stations here that had a nice story on an eagle's. Travel provider. They they specialize in eagle road trips. Mm-hmm. And those individuals, those, that, that business was saying that their package, I think it was three nights plus round trip airfare plus a ticket to the game, was something like
1: seventy five hundred dollars. Yeah, seventy five hundred. Yeah. But if it's a once in a lifetime thing,
2: you know, I could see a lot. I could see a lot of people jumping. I think are I think you're going to see a lot of Eagles fans. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's pricey, but you're going to see a lot of
0: people say, "Hey, this is a once in a lifetime thing." Yours, you'll see people taking out loans. You'll see people hitting whatever savings they have. Credit cards, the whole nine yards. (laughs) Credit cards, hitting little old ladies over the head.
1: (laughs) Mike just the thing is, but
2: the thing is, when you're dealing with a source like that, mm -hmm. they're rocket. You know, these are people who run Eagles road trips constantly. Their sources
1: are good. You know that the tickets are going to be good. So you can you have a lot of peace of mind when you're dealing with a source like that, too. All right. And of course, uh, in the area. Uh, the Eagles fans had a, a wonderful celebration, uh, yesterday and last night, uh, into the wee hours of the morning, uh, 10 to 15, maybe even 20,000 fans marched up Broad Street. Uh, they had a the great revelry and which spilled out into the old, old, old neighborhoods, uh, around the Liberty Bell. Uh, good time was had by all there. And good luck to the Eagles in Super Bowl 52 coming up on February 4th. Another note on the commercials for the Super Bowl. They're going for $7.7 million uh, this year, and that's, that's quite a lot of jingle, but I guess they're going to get... Uh, good return on their 32nd commercial. Most of these companies. That's a lot. That's a lot of change. Yes, point. <laughs> so halftime show, Justin Timberlake this year. Uh, always good to look forward to that. Uh, hopefully he doesn't have any uh, issues or wardrobe malfunctions.
0: I certainly hope he doesn't have a wardrobe malfunction. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not looking forward to it.
2: <laughs> we got our uh, local girl Pink is going to be singing the national anthem,
1: so I'm looking forward to that. She's. She's awesome. Yeah, she's uh, something else. And, Matt, you have a a close tie to Philadelphia, of course. Uh, I don't know if you've mentioned it on the, on the Phillies Talk podcast in uh, the last year or so, but you just retired from the Philadelphia Police Department. Yes, sir. Uh, Friday was my last day. So oh. i the now after... Uh, almost three decades. That's amazing. Thirty years as a uh, Philadelphia police officer, and I guess you've seen some great uh, events in the sporting world. Uh, any of you you care to talk about, uh, like the Phillies? Maybe uh, have you ever been assigned to uh, special events, for the, you know, around the stadiums? Maybe Vet huh? Stadium. Sure. Yeah. I just I did twenty eight years. I followed my dad, who did thirty years. So
2: there's been a Matthew Vizzi on the Philadelphia Police Department every calendar year from 1960 through 2018 so that's surely the first time in almost 60 years that there wasn't a Matthew Beasley on the job wow that's uh, amazing I found a number Number of sporting events, Rich. Uh, You know Phillies games. I can't tell you that I did any particular Phillies game that, as far as work, that stands out. But plenty of time was down there working the detail, handling traffic outside the ballpark.
0: Uh, Oh, you're the guy that was responsible. (laughs)
2: That was now. I'm talking about when I was a police officer. So that was Veterans Stadium. Yeah, that I worked. It goes um, back uh to the Big Bank Park. Never really worked as a I've been there a million times but I've never worked as a as a police officer. Um, I worked Eagles games at the vet. Uh, I was a police officer from nineteen ninety through ninety six and I made detective and then I uh, spent about six and a half years as a detective and then I was uh, promoted to sergeant, spent about four years or so as a sergeant on the street. In the last decade, I was in the training bureau, so I've had a lot of different experiences. But my time in actually working sporting events would have mostly been... Down there as a police officer. Although, I'll tell you, my last sporting event was my most memorable. Uh, last spring, I got to work every night at the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. And that was awesome. That was a tremendous event for the city. The city looked great. The weather was perfect. Uh, the crowds were huge and they were really well behaved. I mean, it was just a, it was a big party for three days. And, uh, I was right up at the stage. I had a group of about eight cops working for me, mm-hmm. and our, our job was right up at the front of uh, where it was. So I got a picture I wrote with, uh, with uh, the commissioner, and I a lot of interaction with the fans up there. Uh, we got to see some of the you know celebrity people come and go, meaning mostly broadcasters that were coming and going. So uh, it was just a fantastic event.
0: It really put the Philadelphia on the map again. Everybody gets, I guess, nationwide, they give Philly a bad rap for the uh, bombing Santa Claus episode. But I think that the national media were, were pleasantly surprised at how well it went off. Yeah,
2: Say anything, you know. Say anything negative. It was it was completely positive experience. So uh, that was a great sporting event to be at. You know, over the course of my career, I did a number of concerts. You know, (coughs) did some of those games early in my career.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, So, and of course, uh, those who aren't familiar with the Philadelphia area, uh, the Stadium Complex is in South Philadelphia, and it, it really always has been. Uh, For the most part, for the past, I I would say, maybe 40 years, 50 years, I know there was talk about having the Philly Stadium uh, rebuilt in the uh, Chinatown district. That goes back to 2004, and that was a plan that never happened. Fortunately. (laughs) And Mike said fortunately, of course, uh, probably due to parking and other...
0: Yeah, traffic, yeah.
1: (laughs) ...other things, even though, well, we had two Philadelphia baseball teams in this town. Uh, over the years at Philadelphia Athletics Uh, going back many years uh, Mike, did you ever go to Philadelphia Athletics when you lived in Philly or growing up in Philly?
0: They left the year before I was born. Oh, you just missed them. Just missed them. Wow. You're not that old rich. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah I, I, I'm going to leave with my. I'm I'm going to leave as soon as you can find my walker and my dentures. <laughs>
1: I'm going to try to. Um, I'm, you know, I'm not familiar with when the athletics actually stopped
0: playing. 1954.
2: Six
0: or fifty-seven.
2: Fifty-four. Wow. Fifty-four. Fifty-four. Yeah. Oh, they went to Kansas City for about a
1: that Yes. Anyway. Cool. Yep. So a little history there for you, but getting back to the stadium. Where's complex, my teeth? Uh, Mike's looking for his teeth. Yeah. All the stadiums are right in South Philadelphia. There was a JFK Stadium down there, which uh, some older listeners may remember from Live Aid. Phil Collins playing both sides of the Atlantic that day, and they tore that down, and that's sort of where. Um, the Eagle Stadium is now is it not or, or was Wachovia right near there um, the um, yeah. Wells Fargo center where JFK was you also
2: spill over like JFK was there, and then you had the Spectrum, like right. kind of like uh, next to that, and that whole area where like the Spectrum and JFK
1: were—that's net that's all now where like the link, the parking lots, and the Wachovia Center are. Yeah, and there are um, little mementos if you do uh, come and down.
2: You, have, you also have those um, entertainment facilities
1: there now, the uh, Xfinity Live. That's exactly. Over there. And I happened to be there uh, a weekend ago uh, before the Eagles uh, made it into the NFC, NFC Championship game and uh, uh, that place was electric down there there, were, there was probably 500 to 1,000 people in line just to get into the Xfinity Center and across the street at Citizens Bank Park How many? I would say at least question, 500 right? to 1,000 people on either side wow. uh, pregame game uh, trying to get into these uh, venues so you know, you got to give credit to the um, planners that plan that. Especially when the teams do well, that was a box office business being done down there in South Philadelphia. It's the place to be. <laughs> So uh, that's congratulations to you, Matt. 60 years continuous of Matt Vizi being on the police department in Philadelphia—that's a—that's a real honor. Yeah, yeah. I, I was very proud to
2: to continue the tradition that my dad uh, that my dad started. He—he you he, well, he just lost him last year. He passed away in August. Mm-hmm. He was uh, 77 years old. Well. So. Very healthy his whole life until the yeah. last year. So, uh, yeah. and if he's looking down on this whole Eagles thing, I'm sure, and, uh, and,
0: uh, smiling and following intently from heaven. Absolutely. So, uh, and, and my brother
2: is still on the job. I got a brother who's a sergeant in the police department. He's continuing the family tradition. So, I missed
0: that. Any children on in the um, prospect? No, no,
2: children on, now. So whenever my brother leaves, that might be it. <laughs> unless, we get, unless we get one of, you know, he's got a daughter or maybe one of the grandkids. Yeah. You know,
1: right now. <laughs> they will follow in uh, Dad's footsteps, probably, and it's uh, not a bad job, I'm sure, uh, to be a police officer uh, today. Right. Let's move on. Let's get to the Phillies a little bit. But before we do that, I just wanted to mention to our listeners, Mike McCabe, who is our special guest, uh has a... a, a, a has had many titles. He's worked for the city of Atlantic City for many years and retired out of there. And he was known affectionately as the mayor of the boardwalk uh, for for the last few years of his career. And if you want a, an easy job, if you want a cushy job, Thank you. that would be,
0: to Come be Mike, to
1: the mayor of the boardwalk. And, Mike, could you just talk about that for just a minute? What were your Duties
0: as the mayor, quote unquote, as boardwalk. Oh, oh, oh man, I was the inspector of the boardwalk, and yes, on the one hand, it is a cushy job, but on the other hand, there was a lot of responsibilities involved. So yeah, so
2: those uh, carts up there, where they push you around, and you
0: can. Yes, uh, yeah, that's those. Yeah, that's those. Uh, what do you call that? Uh, yeah, but they, yeah, they push, have those carts, push the push carts. carts. Yeah, don't. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: And they also—they have trams. They have trams as well now.
0: But but anyhow, I uh I was keeping the boardwalk safe for Democrats because Republicans know how to pick up their feet when they walk. Cause, yeah, because because people stumble over a high nail or a high board and they trip. So Republicans know how to pick up their feet. Democrats, they just shuffle. And that's a little joke from yeah.
1: uh, a little <laughs> political joke there. We don't want <laughs> yeah, to isolate fun. our listeners.
0: Yeah, it is. It's half your own.
3: Yeah,
0: if you—I uh, know Philadelphia yeah. is a uh, yeah. a great place, a to democratic live. bastion. Yes, well, good thing. Good
3: thing.
2: <laughs> I think I can transition you, Rich, pretty easily. <laughs> okay. well, easily.
1: Okay. Yeah, get us out of these politics, <laughs> would you please? Well, I'm, I'm looking through the internet here, and I'm seeing that tomorrow morning the Angels have scheduled at, at his request they go a conference call. For
2: Mike Trout to talk about the Eagles. Oh wow! Mike Trout out there in California. He's going to be having a conference call where he's going to be talking about his e- his Eagles. He supposedly the quote is that he's on cloud nine. <laughs> I think we, all,
3: we all know
1: Trout. And of course, uh, he's from the South Jersey area. For anybody that's listening that doesn't know, he's from Millville, New Jersey. So uh, he's been at a lot of the Eagles playoff games and. Uh, he's got a Season ticket, season ticket holder right at the end zone. Yeah, yeah, he sits right down on the field, so he probably uh, has a VIP status there at the link, and of course, uh, I think we'll probably see him at the Super Bowl, so it'd be nice to hear what he has to say about the game. And uh, let's, let's segue right into the Phillies, because we're we're going a little long on this podcast, and oh. it's alright, because uh, it's a special, special occasion. The Phillies are uh, just about ready to head south uh,
0: pitchers and catchers, huh?
1: Yeah, pitchers and catchers uh, starting up soon. And uh, I happen to be at an event uh, the other afternoon. Uh, it was a, called the Phillies College Summit, and I blogged a little bit about it on FightinPhillies.com, which is the blog home of the Phillies Talk podcast here. And I got to get a little bit of insider information on our new manager, Gabe Kapler. And uh, why don't you talk a little bit about him first, Matt? What's your impressions of our new Phillies manager before I play a little piece that I recorded at this song? Uh, I got uh, two comments on Gabe Kapler let me just say off the
2: top of my head what a piece of work I mean he, is a, he looks like he's going to be a character and I don't mean the like old school you know kind of manager character but uh just very I mean he's uber new school I mean, Yeah. he's like Charlie Manuel's on one
3: end of the spectrum, Dave Kappler's on the other end of the spectrum. Uh, yeah, he's sort of like... I'm old-school guy, so I'm like a boa, you know,
2: Charlie kind of guy. So Kapler is... Totally opposite of what I expected them to go for. The Phillies are tradition they're a very old school, traditional kind of organization. They are. They've yeah. historically been so. I thought that this was a an interesting sign to say the least.
1: Oh God, geez. now Larry Bowen. for himself. is he's very he's he played a dozen years in the big
2: leagues six different teams, He's won a World Series with the Red Sox as a ball player. Um, he's done it all as a player, he's been a, he's been a top prospect himself so he knows the young guys. After his career, he spent time in broadcasting, he spent time in the front office with the Dodgers, he's played overseas, uh, so Kapler's got a, a wealth of experience and if, you, if you've listened to him, and I, before he ever got hired by the Phillies, before he was every uh, I always had a good impression of Kaplan because he was really well spoken. When you heard him interviewed on television, came uh, across real well. So
1: I have a lot of hopes that maybe this is a that this is a fantastic out-of-the-box sign. Right. But, but he's, he's inexperienced, so we'll have to. It'll be. It's a we'll see for me. You know, I think it could be a great thing. Yeah. We'll see. Who
0: was his bench coach?
1: Um, let me see if I can bring that up. Uh, Is Larry Bo out of the picture now? Larry Bo, as far as I know... um, He's one of
2: them advisor, you know, advisor to the the, uh, general manager, one of them types of deals, advisor to the owner.
1: Yeah, and what generally happens when a, when a manager starts off, he, he wants all his own people, uh, he wants people surrounding him that, uh, aren't necessarily the old guard, so to speak. And, uh, Mike asked about the bench coach, and I'm, I'm... Yeah, due to the... who was it? Yeah, he comes from the Yankees. Ralph Thompson is, is his name. Uh so Mike now knows the bench coach of of the Phillies and I didn't know that either. You know, this this change over to the new guard so to speak. Uh, they basically clean house uh, with the coaches uh, and that's, that's to be expected. A lot of people expected a Dusty Wadham to become the manager of the Phillies. Of course uh, he's been with the minors for the Phillies for many years and he'll be the third base coach this year. Uh, but Jose Flores will be at
0: first base. So. And who does he play for? Who's that? Jose Flores.
1: Well, I'm not too familiar Again, I'm, I'm on the Phillies.com website as we're doing the podcast. And Mike, you got to do a little research if you're going to join well, us. Well, this the was Philly's news talk.
0: to me. <laughs> well, let me ex- tell you one thing right off the top. As far as I'm concerned, you got two guys from the American League. They don't know how to do the double switch when you change pitchers. Just <laughs> <laughs> was big bit rolls for two seasons in the big leagues:
2: 2002, 2004, with the A's
1: and the Dodgers. A cup of coffee with both teams. <laughs> so uh, we've got some interesting developments with the Phillies. Um, i liked uh, at, to go back to this uh, college summit. It's the first time that I was able to attend this this year. And uh, what it basically is is a group of college students that buy tickets, uh, and they come and mingle with the Phillies organization. Uh, there was five or six different stations set up with um, there was the director of broadcast for the Phillies mr. Rob Brooks and he was awesome he uh, talked to uh, many of the college students about uh, getting their foot in the door with the Phillies and of course uh, it's a competitive field and it's one that a lot of these college students don't get paid for. it's one that you know the Phillies organization uh, utilizes as well as other sports um organizations as well uh, for the college crowd the new up and coming uh, kids they are looking for careers so um, it was great to be part of that and let me just play a minute or two of uh, some of what uh, Mr. Gabe Kapler had to say about how he um, broke into the game of baseball and a, and a personal story that he shared about a manager that really took him under his wing? Let's hear from him. It's a good question. I I mean, I think that's pretty wide-ranging. I guess from I can pick
4: and choose from different managers that I've been around and some of the characteristics that they've brought to the table that I think are are pretty special. I bring up Terry Francona pretty often. He was my manager with the Boston Red Sox in 2004, and I remember looking down at him in the dugout, and he always had a smile for me, whether I was – swinging the bat well or not, but that stood out to me as something that was really important because just like we're all human beings, right? When we struggle, the first thing we we look for is, is reassurance from somebody, anybody, that we're going to be okay. So to get that from my manager in that particular time was was powerful. Another story, similarly, I was with Johnny Oates. I don't know how many people know Johnny Oates. But Johnny was uh, a manager for me in the Tex- with the Texas Rangers organization in two 2001 and I was going into my second season Went to spring training um, Had been traded For Juan Gonzalez In a, in a big package deal And I, don't, I felt like I had a lot of pressure on me Maybe I didn't but I felt like I did And my spring training was just awful I had gone through 15 at-bats And hadn't struck One ball hard And frankly I, was, I felt very alone Johnny was an older dude Um But very warm. And he walked me out to right field, he put his arm around me, and he said, Cap, you are my opening day right field. No matter what happens in spring training. And it was that reassurance in that moment that I desperately needed. So those are two things from my experiences playing that I'll probably bring to this clubhouse. You can bet that I'm gonna find somebody this spring training and utilize that experience with. And
1: that's uh, Thank you, Austin. Austin from the Sales University. If you, if you will, just uh, when you ask the question, let us know where you're that, from. That was Austin from the Sales University that had that question for Gabe Kapler, and uh, it sounds like he's uh, going to be a guy that really uh, takes some of these younger players under his wing and uh, gives him. Give them rather um, some good advice that he may have learned uh, coming up through the league. You're not going to fall asleep on him, Rich. I mean, he's intense. So I mean, it, Pete was a little bit laid back, you know. Charlie was, you know, with Charlie.
2: Kapler's a whole other story. He is definitely fired up. He's, yeah, I think he's going to. defense from day one. And uh, if you can't keep up with him, you can't, and you can't play hard constantly, I, I think you're going to be gone. So uh, I'm, uh, I'm hopeful. So I'm young guys you need that kick in the pants and he sounds like he's gonna be a mixture of, you know, kind of like the Francona uh right. communicator, but as well he's also a no nonsense, you know, work you know, he wants all work, he wants you working
0: hard. So So how do you think he Mike,
1: Mike has a question for you here.
0: How do you think he's going to <clears throat> to deal with the center fielder for the Phillies at okay. Odoobal? That's, that's gonna it's gonna be interesting. <laughs> I don't know, we'll see. You know, Oduble, he drifts sometimes. You Yes. <laughs> when, when, he's, when he's on, he's really on. He's like an all-star when he's on. Um, when he, he drifts, he can drift for a long period of time. So <laughs> I think in, in, and Franco are going to be... Franco's one of the big question marks for me this yeah. year. you we'll have to see something out of it now. But they're mm-hmm. they're going to be interesting. I,
3: I don't know how he's going to deal with it, but we'll see. And, of course... Have they as have he, other options out there, you know. Right now, they have other options. Sure. you, know, you figure they got. Uh, they're sticking. They're going to go with Hoskins in left field for the most
2: part. Uh, Nick Williams in right. So you, you know you have Altair. So it's yeah. like if Odubel goes too far afield, you know, it's not like they don't have other options.
0: Altair is a very good outfielder. Can play every position. Won a Golden yep. Glove and won a Golden Glove in the minor leagues. And a Golden Glove. Not a glove. A glove. Did you say glove or a glove? Glove, glove, whatever it takes. (laughs) Okay. No, golden glove. We'll take that. It was golden. It was golden. So...
2: Interesting to see how they mix it, mix and match in that outfield.
0: Yes, it will indeed. You and know, that's those easy. guys don't need to play. I mean, they're all at that age where they don't need to be sitting around. No, that's what made the Santana signing a little
3: bit, a little bit odd to me. I'm you know,
2: yeah. not really, all totally, 100 percent on board with that signing, but
0: I, I sort of. I think you're, I think you're <laughs> 100 correct in your assessment there uh, about the Santana signing, and I think the Philly season all changed around last year with that kid Williams when they brought him up. Do you remember there were articles in the newspaper saying he was a bad attitude and things like that in the minors? Do you remember reading any of that? Sure. That was from
2: the year before. That was a big knock on him. He was a little bit immature. Mostly from anybody around the game and around the team, he really grew up a lot last year. Promoted. his uh his change in attitude and, and uh, work work ethic and his work habits and that that is what got him promoted last year.
0: Okay, because... Uh, he didn't because i'll tell you what i'm watching him and in, in, in his interviews after the game a couple games he had a real couple good games and won the game for him it's like the kid was nothing but smiles and enthusiasm i'm thinking who was this player this is not the player that i read about in the minors pouting and uh well he changed he changed the whole season around for the Phillies as far as I'm concerned. That was the best move what do you think about that?
2: Him and Hoskins. You know, that when Hoskins showed up. Uh, Williams came earlier. I think Williams came like June, maybe.
0: Yeah, he came in a couple months earlier, but I'm just saying, hes he was the emphasis. I mean, he started it off and then they brought Hoskins up. Oh, yeah. I, I just think that the whole team started playing better when he was around there. It's so nice and refreshing to see somebody with a smile on their face and it's not drudgery. And, they're, you know, you could tell he was honestly happy to be there.
1: Yeah, I agree. That's an awesome comment. Let's hear one more here. One more from, from the Philly College Summit here.
2: No, my name is Dan Quitt. I'm an MBA candidate at Refugee University. Uh, my question for you is obviously getting to the majors is a pretty difficult
1: task. Getting to the minors is a pretty difficult task. Was there a moment or an age a time when you were in college where all of a sudden it was like, wow, I could really do this? Uh, yeah, I guess I guess my freshman year of college uh, you know, I had three months of fall ball before that, you know, I just came on campus thinking
3: I was hot stuff, um, quickly failed, quickly, quickly failed, but it was probably the best thing for me. Um, I didn't, didn't start the, um, the first couple weekends when I was in college, I got an opportunity and kind of never looked back from there. Um, I ended up being a freshman All-American and that was kind of, you know, like I said, my coach kind of instilled that, that thought process of learning about the mental side of the game. And that was really the first
1: time where I'd seen results um, from focusing on that instead of just, you know, trying to get by physically. So that was kind of a, a eureka moment. Like, okay, I, maybe I can do this. Um, and then, you know, the confidence kind of just grew from there. So there's uh, Gabe Kapler again. Uh explaining to these young uh, college students how he came up in the game. Not a lot was known about Gabe Kapler to us, uh, Matt, before he... Became the Phillies manager, and he sort of came out of nowhere, really, uh, in the field of qualified managers uh, that were out there to get this job. And I, I just, um, I think Matt Klentak, Phillies GM, really did a great job finding this diamond in the rough, so to speak, in Gabe Kapler. Yeah, this,
2: it was a surprise to me as well. You know, he, like I say, if you look at his record, you no, know, he's got all like all all boxes. You know, he's got tons of experience and a wide ranging experience, so uh, excuse me, he's got a a great um, yeah, he's, he's very upbeat, positive.
1: Yeah, he's going to relate to some of these younger players much more uh, effectively than Pete McCannon did. Not to Pete McCannon, who who has been in the Phillies organization for fifty years. Yeah. <laughs> so, younger Phillies fans who
2: you know, I don't even remember who Scott Rowland is,
1: let alone that he was a Phillies player. That was, feels like it was yesterday. Right, maybe we're showing a, a little bit of. Our our age here, but uh, you know, the, uh, to wind up our talk about this college summit, uh, the Phillies put on a great program. Um, they offered uh, snacks and things like that for these college students, and uh, gave them a good opportunity. Uh, there were some people that came in from Ohio and as far as California, looking for these jobs, and again, they're internships for the most part. They, they're not getting paid. They want to get their foot in the door. Cool. And Major League Baseball has um, great opportunities for people like that, young, younger people. You know, it's uh, it's really great that they offer this for uh, these great college students because they're they're really smart.
2: Yeah, they got that. They got their uh, you know, their winter caravans going on, and uh, you know, Baseball America thing came out with their top 100 prospects. The Phillies had five prospects on that. So we're starting to you're starting to see everything rolling towards right. spring training. I guess we're about uh, maybe three weeks away from spring training, three and a half weeks away from pitchers and catchers. Yeah, forward, so we're from there.
0: Do you recall who the top prospect was for the Phillies?
2: Yeah, the Phillies prospect now from baseball America is JP Grover. They still consider him a prospect
0: with the has his uh, big league rookie eligibility, I believe. He still has that. Yeah, Crawford is their number sixteen overall prospect,
2: and they had uh, the young pitcher that everybody's talking about, Sixto Sanchez or Sixto mm-hmm. Sanchez. He's number thirty-one. Um,
0: Kingery, yes, yeah, Scott and Kingery, Fox, and Adam Housley—they're on the list too. And where was Roy Hod- Hoskins at last year? Do you know? Was he even on the list? Yeah. Who size?
2: Hoskins on the list last year. Not, only, not
0: anymore. Well, no, last year. Brunkers anymore. But he wasn't on the list last year. Crawford's uh-huh. 16, is
2: 25, and then you got the second baseman, Scott Kingbury's 31. I think we could see him this year. Crawford, you'll definitely really see now. Freddie Vaughn, he's mm-hmm. going to be a shortstop. There's a the pitcher, Adam Donis Medina, is 84, and then number 100. Their number 100 prospect overall is a guy, Adam Hazely draft part of their draft class last year
0: what do you think about the trade of uh, of uh, the shortstop trading away the shortstop that's all for it. yeah I'm ready to page from that crew. crew I mean Joseph and Cameron Robinson and Freddie Galvis and even Caesar Hernandez I'm ready to turn a page from those guys I was three or four losing years
2: here like bad years i ready for this crew. JP, I want to see JP Crawford all oh, year shortstop. You know, I want to see. I would like to see them. mid fully to give it Jorge Alfaro a full, full starting shot with Nappas back backup. I don't really know why they kept Rupp around. I wouldn't have kept him. Um,
0: they still kept him, right? Right now, he's still on the team. Cameron Rupp? We're going
1: to we're gonna have. To, we're going to have just sign them. We're going to have to get Mike, a Philly's press guy, for the holidays oh. and the. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the, for opening day, we're going to have Micah Prescott. Caesar, I think, at second base, I think
2: Caesar's going to, he'll start the season at the second base, but Kingery, if he, if he plays well again this year, uh, Hernandez
3: is going to be a trade chip. I think maybe you'll see Caesar go, depending on you know, whether they're in contention for a wild card spot
2: or not, which is a possibility, but if they're not, I think you'll see Caesar go around the trade deadline and start getting Kingbury up here. All right, It's going to be an interesting season. This is going to be a a very interesting season for them as they try to get back towards
1: that 500 mark. Yes, it will. And of course, uh, the Phillies with Crawford at short this year. Uh, As you said, Hernandez at second, two solid infielders. Santana, he brought in this year. And uh, of course, as you mentioned, Matt, Rice Hoskins, who he was at the uh, college summit as well, gave a a good talk as well to these college students. I won't play what he said. If you uh, want to hear the whole interview, you can find it on Fightin' Phillies. That's about 45 minutes and uh, Andy Galdi is also on that recording. He's uh the Phillies director of sports analytics who worked at Google. Interesting that a lot of the college students really uh, stayed after the program. They made Andy Galdi and also Ned Rice, who is the... uh, Assistant uh, to Matt Clantack available after this college summit, and these college students wouldn't let those two guys go. They they held them up for maybe twenty minutes or a half hour, talking sports and what. Do you, what's your feeling about sabermetrics, Matt? Uh,
2: oh well, that last thing you said about they wouldn't let them go—that doesn't surprise me at all. You Younger generation, um, so you're talking about college kids, these young kids. They're all into the analytics, and Andy Galley is an analytics guy. That's that's what he's here for.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so
2: that doesn't surprise me here that they were interested in keeping them around, talking to them, picking their bunk, picking their uh, brains. <laughs> yeah, I, absolutely. I think you need a little bit of both. You know, I'm, I'm not I'm not against analytics. Like I'm, I would say I'm generally an old school guy, but and you know you need to have on the players you need to see them and I I believe scouts do a fantastic job you know you need both you need
3: your old school scouts people who are watching the players people who feel for how they are
2: in a game situation, uh, behind the scenes in the locker room, yeah. but you also you have to have an analytics uh, angle today, too.
1: And I I was actually sitting there uh, in amongst the college students myself. I went back to school this semester, took a class at my local uh, community college here, so it, it qualified me to get to this college summit, but uh, I can only... St- Kind of think about one guy uh, who's broadcasting for the Phillies right now. our old first baseman, Mr. John Cruck, and I could imagine him just come busting through the door when, uh, Andy Gowdy is talking numbers and, uh, you know, how many times a ball might go through the wickets or whatever and, and have, uh, have a guy like, <laughs> like him burst through the door with a beer in his hand like the 93 Phillies, uh, would have probably done. Uh, of course they, they wouldn't do it in this situation, but, uh, could you imagine that with, uh, having Having guys like Crook and uh, Danny Dalton. Jackson, uh, the late Darren Dalton around this uh, Saber Metrics crowd. Uh, just, uh, I don't oh, think. T- and, uh, that Phillies team, though, if you remember. They were almost a—they uh, were almost a, a flash forward
2: to this analog state. As much as we like to think of them as the, you know, the rowdy, beer-swilling,
1: macho, right. row exactly, you know,
2: salt theme, you know, kind of crowd.
1: Exact um,
2: opposite. We're in a Right. If you remember, a big feature of that team was
1: that they knew how to take a base. They were big on base guys. They were big on taking a walk. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of new school stuff, like getting men on base. And the 93 Phillies were awesome at that. Uh, yeah. I don't remember all. Statistics now. Hmm. I do recall that was a big feature, and they had a lot of the walk leaders. Uh, if I looked at the stats back then, I'm sure the Phillies were about the top, one of the top teams had taken a base. Yeah, so. Uh, Rice Hoskins, uh, uh, yeah, as you said, taking a base, Rice Hoskins, one of the most patient batters that I've seen in a long time. I have saw him a couple times last season at Citizens Bank Park, and uh, you've probably been up there yourself a few Times Matt, what's your uh, take on Hoskins? Do you think he's going to uh, repeat that great year that he had last year?
2: Uh, he was exciting, wasn't he? Uh, you know, he just—we we hope so. Rich, you know, he looks—he looks the part. Uh, he looks good. He's the kind of thing that the Phillies need. They need—they needed to, to develop a slugger, you know, middle-order slugger who could, uh, from who's homegrown, who didn't have to go out and pay. Know, 30 million dollars a year for right um, now they can if they have their own from in house boskins can become uh, consistent and i think he can become a consistent like 30 100 guy but then uh and they can go out and spend 30 million 40 million on a bryce harper Manny machado or even a couple of years maybe bringing in mike trout they can go out and spend big money on that guy and I feel like you know you're you're already getting one on the cheap, so now you can spend on the other one. Because you really need a couple of big boomers like that to really contend.
1: Yeah, and it, it, it just seemed, it seems like, I don't know, there's two sides of the coin on that. The Yankees picking up a big salary, a salary dump from the Marlins mm. uh, with Stanton. They're going to have Stanton and Judge on the same team with the Yankees. And I don't know, I, I wouldn't hand the keys to the castle to uh, a guy like Mike Trout. I wouldn't give him a, a $300 million contract. It, it Just Citizens Bank Park, I think, cost $350 million to uh to make <laughs> how much more are these guys going to want
2: well you got to remember what are talking about right now this is today in 2018 it's a 10 billion dollar industry you know people like worry about it, like oh how do I give this guy 30 million a year well, when you're talking about a 10 billion dollar industry when you're talking about a ball team that's worth over
3: a billion dollars, or around a billion dollars, uh, that's not a lot of money. These are guys that you need if you want to get back to winning World Series. So at some point, they're going to have to open up that
2: wallet and, and pay somebody. I'm not talking about Carlos Santana handed him $20 billion, which I thought was for burning $20 billion in the, in the in hot stove, uh, they're going to have to lay out $25, $30, 35 million a
1: year for multiple years for a big, you know, maybe a couple of big players when they want to win a World Series. Yeah, absolutely. And they're going to uh, Hoskins to think about as well. He's going to want a lot of money uh, if he can duplicate that season he had last year. Of course, hitting uh, eighteen home runs in a very short season for him. And before we wrap up the Phillies talk, let's hear a little bit from Reese Hoskins as he was speaking at the Phillies College Summit just the other day at Citizens Bank Park. We're going to take a break after this comment, and then we're going to wrap up the show with some Philadelphia Eagles talk here on Phillies Talk podcast. We appreciate if you follow the podcast on Twitter and also read the FightinPhillies.com blog. Hi, Reese. uh I'm Tim Kelly. I'm a senior mass communications major at Bloomsburg University. Uh, you have a more analytically focused manager than you did a year ago. I think a lot of people would say, how do you feel about the idea of potentially hitting second in the lineup as opposed to
4: traditionally hitting third or fourth? I think as long as I get to step into the right-hander's batter's box three or four times a game, I don't really care where I hit. <laughs> um you know, just to put it bluntly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I, you know, I, I'm open to anything. Really, it's um, there's a lot of information out there. You know, when you say analytics. I think the layman's term is just information. Um,
2: I think the one thing that gave us kind of stressed to us has been that things are going to be fluid. And just because you hit second or third or fourth one night doesn't mean it's going to be. Second or third or fourth of the next night too. So, uh, you know, he's been really open with us. I'm excited, no matter what. If I see my name in the lineup card, I'll be ready to go that night. The Braves and the Phillies face off 19 times a year, and we don't like each other. But the podcast community certainly does. Atlanta Baseball Talk and the Phillies Talk podcast. Listen to them both. This is Farley. And Mark from Baseball PhD. Thanks for listening to BaseballPodcast.net. Up next, another great episode of
3: Billy's Talk. Hi, this is Gary Matthews. You're listening to Fightin' Billy's Talk Podcast.
2: Brewtown Sports is your source for brewers' news and notes. Join Mr. Brewtown as he keeps you up to date on all the happenings of your Milwaukee brewers and Major League Baseball. Follow the show on Facebook and Twitter, Brewtown Sports. Listen 24-7 at BrewtownSports.podomatic.com. Hi, this is
4: Gary Mack of Mets Musing, and you're listening to my good friend Rich Baxter on Phillies Talk. Right here on BaseballTalkRadio.com, the home of great baseball talk shows.
1: Back here on this edition of Phillies Talk Podcast, talking all about your Philadelphia Phillies. And I wanted to make special mention of our newest member of the Phillies Talk Podcast team. That's, of course, Mike McCabe, a longtime friend. We go back to the mid 80s. And uh, he was nice enough to join us on this podcast. And I hope he takes note and joins us on future Phillies Talk Podcasts. Casts as well. It was great to have him on this show. And we're going to wrap up this show with some Eagles talk, how we think the Eagles are going to do in the Super Bowl 52, which is coming up from a kickoff at 6.30 p.m. in Minneapolis. So uh, here's our wrap up of Phillies Talk podcast for our special Eagle Super Bowl and spring training preview for Phillies Talk podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, the Fightin' Phillies blog. You can find us at fightinphillies.com. Well, let's give our uh, three picks for the Super Bowl 52, who we think is going to win it, and uh, who's going to be the game changer in this game. Uh, Mike, you go first.
0: Hmm. I'm taking Philadelphia all the way. I think it's going to be a blowout. Uh, well, of course, I, it would have to be the quarterback, well, if it, if it's, as I look at it, is... Okay,
1: so <laughs> Foles, uh, you got Foles as the MVP for the Super Bowl, and give us a score prediction, if you can. Pull it out of the air, anywhere. Twenty-eight fourteen. Twenty-eight fourteen Eagles victory in Super Bowl fifty-two would be a, a tremendous event. They're going up against a guy that has a Super Bowl ring on every finger of one hmm. hand, uh, either left or right hand. But uh, how about you, Matt? Who do you like? Oh, I
2: think I like the Eagles, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> Did you expect me to say anything else? Well, Uh-oh. I'm going to say, I had this feeling before yesterday, and I really have the same feeling again. I mean, I hope I'm not way off, but I feel like, I think this is going to be a blowout for the Eagles. Um, I think, I'm going to go, I'll go Aaron Bloom here. I'm going to go 31-10. to 10. Eagles and my player well, game, although I think Foles is probably the smart choice. Yes. Uh, I'm
0: going to go in another direction. and I'm going to go with that uh, defensive back safety, Malcolm Jenkins. Jenkins has just had a fantastic year. I think this is going to be a defense game uh, where they're going to start. They're going to play really well. And Jenkins has been the leader there. So I'm going to say he's going to do something big and I'll go with Malcolm Jenkins. I would like to. I I agree with you. I'd like to modify my uh, assessment, though. Not with the score, and I think the outcome's the same. And I think Falls is going to have a terrific game. But I think it's going to be a linebacker like Michael Kendricks,
1: a linebacker and I MVP. And I think Bowl? why not? I think somebody
0: on that defense. Yes. Somebody. Did you? Did you? Like yeah, did, did you hear what he said? He was interviewed, and he said he and he was talking and he's very happy and then all of a sudden he says you know I've never been a champion before and the look on his face
2: another good one is that Nigel Bradham, mm-hmm. Nigel
0: Bradham has
2: had some fantastic games
0: mm-hmm. he could come up with
2: a big game in the Super Bowl so, so the defense I think, I think we're, we're on
0: target yeah I, I agree with you I think it's somebody there is going to put the put their mark on the game and, and it's just going to be done
1: well, that'll, that'll be interesting. Yeah. Hold on. He is looking. He is
0: going
3: deep
1: and And it's going to happen differently. As you're beginning to
2: sink in what you've accomplished
1: at two. And that, of course, the. <laughs> Let me just wrap up the show. I'll give you my pick uh, for the Super Bowl. Uh, I'm going to. I'm not going to give a pick, but I'm on ESPN right now. (laughs) And I'm going to say that ESPN is saying that the Patriots have a good chance to win if they can control the turnovers in this game. Apparently, they're saying that the Patriots, uh, Mr. Mike Reese from um, ESPN.com, the Patriots in the Bill Belichick era, rather, are 159 wins and only 15 losses when they have a positive turnover differential, uh, including the playoffs. So uh, he he gives that uh, great credence that, you know, sometimes in a game like the Super Bowl, it's not the great plays that a team makes, but it'll be the mistakes
0: that they do or don't make,
1: whether or not it be the Patriots or the Eagles. So, uh, looking forward to a great Super Bowl uh, coming up February 4th, and Matt, I want to thank you for joining us, of course, and congratulations again on your retirement from uh, the Philadelphia Police Department, and Mike McCabe, uh, we're going to nickname you the Mayor of the Boardwalk, because I think we're going to have you back Mm. a lot uh, for 2018, Mm. Uh, this sort of worked out well, this uh, trio of uh, Phillies fans here, Matt and Mike.
0: Matt and Mike. <laughs> Bringing up the rear here, buddy. It was fun. I had a, a pleasure. It was a pleasure listening to you. I've learned a lot and, from you. And talking with you, of course. Well, yeah, that too. That goes without saying.
1: Well, thanks for listening to this edition of uh, Phillies Talk Podcast. And uh, join us on the next one.
0: Good night, Matt. Happy New Year's. Take care, guys.